Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. James chapter 4, verse 13 through to 17. Let's read this together. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's the word of the Lord. Uh, Now, I've enjoyed um, a lot about walking through uh, the book of James in this series. I hope that you have as well. Uh, One of the things that I've enjoyed about this series is that preaching in this way, that is in an expositional way, slowly through an entire book of the Bible. Uh, It gives you the prompt and the opportunity to talk about subjects which you wouldn't ordinarily talk about uh, if it were just left up to your whim uh, or your fancy. Uh, Another thing that I've enjoyed about this series is how practical and relevant uh, I have found James's wisdom to be Uh, to my everyday life. James is a practical book, so much so that at times I've felt attacked uh, as James sort of unapologetically touches raw nerves and confronts us on areas of our lives that are obviously in need of God's attention and his correction. Now, personally, uh, this text that we're dealing with today is very confrontational to me Uh, because here today in this text, James is confronting and correcting planners. Now, I'm a planner. I love my calendar. I love knowing what I'm doing well in advance. I love having all of my ducks in a row. I love being organized. Who else is with me? Where are my fellow planners? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Who here is an anti-planner? Yeah, you are a whirlwind of chaos. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, Now, there's not really much at all wrong with planning, nor is there anything at all wrong with being organized. But what James is doing here today is challenging an underpinning presumption that the planner often may have. James is confronting the tendency and the folly of men and women like me to plan and to act in such a way that suggests that ours is the final say and that everything resides under our own control. Now, if we look at the text together, uh, the first observable folly in all of this planning is the lack of dependency on God. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow 
we will go into such and such a town, we'll spend a year there, we'll trade and we'll make a profit. Now, nothing at all wrong with those goals. Nothing at all wrong with those actions in and of themselves. The only issue that James takes with the planner's plan is that total absence of any reference to God and all of that. Now, this person is the kind of person who claims to be a self-made individual. But this is the arrogance of the self-proclaimed, self-made individual. The Bible just doesn't allow for such a category. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. So there are many, many wealthy, successful individuals, but they all fall into one of two categories. The first category is there are those who have received from the Lord the power to get wealth and they remember where they got it from. And then there are those who have received from the Lord the power to get wealth and they don't acknowledge Him at all. Again, there is no such thing as a self-made individual, just those who think of themselves in that way. And to them, James says, come now, come on, come on, come on now. He's reasoning, but with like a little undercurrent of mockery. He's saying, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. You think it all depends on you. You think it's all up to you. But what you haven't taken into account in all of your planning is that not everything that you need to work for you is under your own control. Therefore, you really ought to appeal to the will of the one who uh, is far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and has a name that is above every other name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, don't you think? Come on now. Come on. So, so that's the first observable and presumptuous folly in all of this planning, just the lack of dependency on God. Now, second... Uh, there is the observable and presumptuous folly of ignoring and not factoring in uh, the limits of your humanity. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a place and spend a year there, trade, make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You don't. You can guess. You can make an educated guess. You can make a prediction. You can make a prediction based on data. You can make a prediction based on what has happened for a thousand successive days prior to tomorrow. But James says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You can say, I'm going to get up and see the sunrise tomorrow. Well, sure enough, there's a very, very good chance that the sun will rise tomorrow. But there's no certainty that your alarm will go off or you won't sleep right through it, you sleepy head, you know what you're like. And, and I hate to break it to you, there's no certainty that you will rise tomorrow. There isn't. After all, James points out, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, there are two things for certain concerning tomorrow. One is that God does know what tomorrow will bring. And, and the other is that you do not. Now, that does two things, doesn't it? Here's the first thing it does. It humbles us. 
It humbles us. That should knock the arrogance right out of you. And James has been aiming for that right throughout this chapter. From verse 6, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And so now he, he gives this illustration of a proud person who presumes to know what only God can know and who seeks to sit on a throne that only God can rightfully sit on. And he says to them, come on now, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Right? So that humbles us. And this also, I think, is a help to us. You don't know the future. Isn't that a good thing? It means that you can enjoy the present and future moments of good as they come. And it means that you're not constantly haunted from a long way off by the ominous clouds of future trouble. After all, it was Jesus who said, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The future is hidden and ultimately for our good. It humbles us and it helps us to leave the possession of all knowledge and the control of the future in God's hands where it belongs. Now, James says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist. You're welcome. Have you ever pondered the brevity of life? The brevity of life just got heavy, didn't it? Now, I don't mean to be glum or morose here, and I don't think that James is aiming for you to be glum and morose when you read these words. But it's quite a thing to ponder the brevity of life. My nana died recently, aged 103. 103. What an age, right? But what's 103 in light of 10,000 years? What's 103 in light of eternity? It's a mist. You think of 103 in relation to the average life expectancy and you'd say, what a great innings. You think of 103 in relation to all of history, past or future, and you say 103, that's a mist. And again, James is not trying to depress you here. Here's what James wants you to do with that. Don't say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Don't say that. Instead, you ought to say, this is verse 15, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, what's the difference between those two? What's the difference between saying, today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit? What's the difference between that and saying, if the Lord wills, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a place and spend a year there and trade and make a profit? This is not James giving you a phrase to sort of insert superstitiously, like others might touch, a, touch wood or, or carry around a bunny's foot, right? James isn't a aiming for superstition. This is James calling you to look at life and to plan with a right perspective of who God is, of who you are, and of what your life is. 
The person in verse 15, they're not disorganized. They are submitted to God. There's a big difference. They recognize that God is in control and that they are not. They recognize that God is on the throne and they are not. They recognize that there are things that God can do that they cannot. And they recognize that there are things that God wills for them that they do not. And their overall posture and perspective in life as they look to the future is, Lord, not my will be done, but yours, that your will be done. Although they'll make plans, they'll make moves. Don't worry about that. But they also have this kind of general submission to the Lord, which shapes their whole perspective on life. Now, let's move on to verses 16 and 17. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So here's this person. They boast that they are self-made. They make no reference to God in their planning. They charge ahead as if they were omnipotent. That is all-powerful. They power forward as if they were omniscient, that is, all-knowing. They don't acknowledge the limitations of their humanity. They refuse to humble themselves before God and receive the help from God that they need. Now, what do we call such a person? Strong? Successful? Maybe for a little while, but for how long? about as long as it takes for a mist to vanish. Then what? What's the verdict of them in the judgment? Here it is. James has it for us. Arrogant. Evil. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Now, um, come with me to Isaiah 55. We'll begin to draw to a close. Isaiah 55. I love this. Here in Isaiah 55, God throws this generous open invitation. Verse 1, come, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money. And without price. So, so that's the first kind of person that God invites to come to him are a thirsty people who can't pay for what they need to satisfy their thirst. They have a thirst for God, but he seems to be out of their reach. Right? This is those of you who are who are deeply aware of your own unworthiness and you're deeply aware of your own unrighteousness, and so you want to stand at a distance. You want God, but you don't feel as if you are who you need to be, what you need to be in order to get Him, to enjoy Him. And to you, the Lord says, you are exactly the kind of person that I want at my table. Come, 
Come. But then, the way I read it, God makes another invitation to a second category of people. It's as if all of those people gladly come and sit at the table. And there's this whole other crowd just standing over there, awkward. And he makes this invitation, the same invitation, to the second category of people by reasoning with them. Just like James reasons with this kind of people back there, here uh, God makes this invitation. He says, why do you spend your money? First category had no money. These guys have money. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Now, do you see the difference? These are people who think that within themselves they have everything that they need, self-sufficient, strong, but yet somehow they always end up dissatisfied. For some reason, they never find what they're looking for. Their whole life is an obsession with quick fixes and backfiring pleasures. They try desperately to do whatever they can and they will spend whatever they have to satisfy themselves in a way that only God can. And God is reasoning with them. He's reasoning with you. Come. Come now. Listen to me. Give up that dead-end search looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in all of the wrong places. Come to me, and I will give you what you are looking for. I will be what you are looking for. So you see, God invites two kinds of people to the banquet. And indeed, there are only really two kinds of people. The spiritually hungry and thirsty, who are spiritually broke and know they cannot pay. And the spiritually hungry and thirsty, who are spiritually broke, but they think they can pay. They think they can work their way to satisfy their hunger and thirst but they never can. God says, give up the search. Give up the striving. Come to me. I'll give you what you need. I'll satisfy you. I'll be all that you need if you trust in me. Which one are you? Which one are you this morning? I think you're one of the two. Which one? Either way, there's a seat for you at the table. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.